0: In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, the first 16 verses. And uh, you may want your Bible open for that reading. It will be on the screen, but you may want to refer to it uh, throughout the message. This is the final sermon this morning in a series. Uh, During the month of October, we have been looking at the life of Simon Peter. And if you have been away or missed some of them or would like to revisit them, uh, all of those are online, audio as well as manuscript. And uh, it's really helpful to see how it all sort of fits together. And we've been thinking together about Simon Peter's life and his mess-ups and his many failures and how he fails. But with God's grace, he fails forward. And it's not all loss. And this morning, we're going to sort of put a capstone on that as we think about uh, precisely how God used Simon Peter. And so I I want to read from Acts, the 10th chapter, uh, beginning in verse 1. And I invite you to stand, uh, if you are able, and I'm going to read this scripture aloud that will give us a launch into uh, this final snapshot of Simon Peter's life and work. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angels spoke to him, uh, who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened, and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures, and reptiles, and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again, a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Sometimes I wish we had a big sign out by the church door, that uh, in very large print says, imperfect people, God is calling you. Imperfect people, God has a job for you. Perfect people need not apply. And that would help all of us know that uh, it's narrowed down. If you're perfect, just don't bother showing up. If you've messed up, God has a job for you. Because that means you're human and maybe you're teachable. Simon Peter's life, a series of mess-ups. He'd do something really, really well, and then he would talk himself into a mess, or he'd act himself into disobedience. And every time God was there uh, in His Son, Jesus Christ, to pick him up, and when he failed, he failed forward, and he learned and he grew from the experience. But this morning, I don't want us to just leave it that God used imperfect Simon Peter. I want us to particularly look at how God used Simon Peter, precisely what happened to show us the power and the impact of it. Well, and the first obvious example that we don't have time to read or talk about is from Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, Jewish people were gathered from all uh, the known nations. They're gathered in Jerusalem. And this was after Jesus' resurrection, after Jesus had ascended back to the Father, And guess who got to preach the Pentecost sermon when thousands came to Christ, when thousands of lives were changed by the transforming risen Christ? It was Simon Peter. God used him. And aren't you glad Simon Peter was used that way? And God saw fit to anoint his preaching. But the story this morning goes even further. It's even more amazing. And it begins... Uh, in the city of Caesarea by the sea. A beautiful city right on the Mediterranean coast. And it begins with a man named Cornelius. Now there are several things you need to know about Cornelius. Uh, They were in the scripture, but they're sort of embedded and woven there. So let's lift them up. First of all, first thing you need to know about Cornelius, he was not a Jew. He was an outsider. He wasn't a person of the covenant promise. He was a Gentile. He was not one of the inner chosen people. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing about Cornelius, not only was he a Gentile, a non-Jew, he was a Roman Gentile. The Romans were considered by pious Jews to be very unclean. They were considered to be nasty people. They were considered to be godless without souls what we would say today, pagans. But not only was he a Gentile and a Roman Gentile, he's a Roman soldier. Do you know how the Judeans felt about Roman soldiers, about the military, the, the occupying empire that's there mistreating them, taxing them, making them do things, humiliate, humiliating them? their attitude toward Gentiles, toward Roman Gentiles, and then to soldiers, a part of the military elite, probably because of his rank, over 100 soldiers. We're guessing that Cornelius was a man of some financial means, a man of reputation, a man recognized for his leadership. And so you begin to have this stereotype of how the average Jew would feel toward Cornelius, and yet, as Luke likes to do in both his gospel and in the book of Acts, Luke likes to break stereotypes. And so Luke begins to break the stereotype. This Gentile Roman soldier loves God. He's a God-fearer. He worships. He fasts. He gives alms. His heart is hungry for God. His soul is seeking a deeper relationship with God to the extent that he keeps the Jewish fixed hours of prayer. And during one of his fixed hours of prayer, a vision comes. An angel appears and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. I want you to send for Simon Peter 35 miles south of here in Joppa. And Cornelius, blown away, overwhelmed, obeyed. He He sent some of his assistants 35 miles south to Joppa and said, bring Simon Peter here to Caesarea to be with me. Well now, down in Joppa, 35 miles south on the coast, Simon Peter had no idea all of this had happened. He's on the roof one day, and he's hungry. They're preparing a meal for him, and suddenly he falls into a trance. I do that sometimes when I'm hungry. Don't you, when you're real hungry? You start seeing things? Janet says I get grouchy, but I don't believe that, actually. Well, he fell in this trance. He had a vision. And the vision was strange, it was a sheet full of all kinds of animals and creatures. And the sheet was lowered. And the voice said, Simon Peter, you're hungry. Have lunch. Simon Peter protested. So, oh, no, this may be a trick. Lord, you know, I, I'm a good Jew. I don't eat, any, eat anything that's non-kosher. Now, I want to push the pause button. The vision was about food. But it wasn't really about food. Are you with me? The vision was about animals being lowered in a sheet. But it really wasn't about animals, was it? It was about people. Because when Simon Peter had protested, Oh, Lord... I'm not going to eat that. The voice said, anything God makes, don't you dare call unclean. God was preparing Simon Peter to preach to this Roman Gentile soldier. And Gentiles everywhere, the grace of God. He was about ready to teach Simon Peter a lesson That people who aren't like us are still loved by God. People who don't have the same language, the same skin color, the same customs and habits, the same politics. They're all loved by God. That Simon Peter should never look at any person and say unclean that In every person he sees, he should remember, if God makes that person, don't you dare call that person unclean. But remember, we're dealing with Simon Peter. And you've gathered from the sermons in this series, Simon Peter is not the sharpest crayon in the box, right? Sometimes he doesn't get it the first time, and I find it very interesting... (laughs) that this sheet had to be lowered three times. Peter has a thing about three times, doesn't he? You know, the first time it was lowered, and Simon Peter, I I don't eat that kind of food. And the second time, God says, let's try this again. And Simon Peter goes, oh, could it be? And the third time, Peter goes, "Oh, oh, I get it. And God says, way to go, Simon Peter. You got it, finally, three times. And this is so pivotal because the rest of Acts chapter 10 tells about Simon Peter arriving in Caesarea, Cornelius' house. He shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's love for every person. And the story goes that the same Holy Spirit that drenched the lives of the people gathered on the day of Pentecost drenched all of these unclean people. And they came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. The very same gospel had the very same effect on all kinds of different people. This is pivotal. This is so pivotal that Luke gives two chapters, chapters 10 and 11, retelling the whole story a second time. It's so historic. It's so important. And here's why. Because a short time later in Acts 15, the church has its first big conflict. They hold a big church business meeting. And they got some people on this side saying, you know, it's fine that people become followers of Christ, but they have to become Jews first. got to go through our door. They have to do certain good works before they can receive God's grace. And there were these people, Simon Peter, the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, James and others, who said, no, no, no. We're not saved by what we do for God. It's what God does for us. And people don't have to become like us to follow Jesus. And there was this conflict. And I know the Apostle Paul usually gets most of the credit in the book of, in, in the New Testament for being the apostle to the Gentiles, to the one who champions salvation by grace, not by works. And well, he should. He wrote much of the New Testament. But I want you to know that before the Apostle Paul spoke at that very important, crucial council, Simon Peter stood up and spoke. And he said, I can tell you that people are saved by what God does for them, not what we do for God. That God loves every person, no matter of background. And let me tell you how I know that. And then he told them the story of, of that day of his vision and then the experience with Cornelius. And the church made a choice about what its message would be, a message of grace, not earning points with God. Do you remember back when uh, Simon Peter made that great confession in Matthew 16? Jesus praised him and said, You're Simon Peter on this confession, I'll build my church and I give to you the keys of the kingdom. I think this is exactly what Jesus was talking about because Peter was used as a key to open the door to all kinds of people. And folks, I'm just going to level with you. I thought about how I want to say this. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that we would not be here this morning if it were not for Simon Peter, paying attention to the vision and having the courage to preach that the gospel's for everyone, we wouldn't be here. God used a messed up, mixed up, imperfect fisherman to open the door to all the nations of the world And if God did that with Simon Peter, what is God wanting to do in your life? You know, we uh, often take uh, such a liking to bright, shiny toys. And when it comes to our toys and our personal gadgets, uh, if they're broken or imperfect or tarnished or flawed, we so impatiently throw them away. In our throwaway culture, our motto seems to be, I can't use it if it's broken. God's motto is, I can't use you till you're broken. Because when we're finally broken, God's grace can come in and we're trusting him. We're aware of our weakness and we're dependent upon His energy and His power to be a blessing to other people. It was uh, the great reformer Martin Luther who said, you know, God can ride a lame horse. God can use lame horses. And he also said, God can make beautiful sculpture out of rotten wood. And if God can make Beautiful sculpture out of rotten wood. What can God do with us? Aren't you glad on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two when people were hungry for the good news and God was waiting to send the Holy Spirit? Simon Peter didn't get up and say, "You know, I don't. I don't think I should do this. I got to wait until I'm perfect." Aren't you glad that when Cornelius, so hungry for God in Acts chapter 10, so hungry to hear the good news, was there with his loved ones and his staff all gathered around in the house, Simon Peter didn't stand up, look around and say, you know, I messed up some time ago and I got to wait until I have everything just right before I can serve God. I have to wait till I have all my problems ironed out all my doubts and struggles figured out. No, he just just let God use him. He failed, but he failed forward. And I wonder what doors God is wanting to open in this world, and he's wanting to use you and me. I wonder what service God is waiting for to render to the world, to this hurting world of ours, because he's waiting for us to get over our pride and our attempt to wait on perfection rather than to just trust him and allow him to use us. You know, in a moment we're going to sing one of the oldest and most cherished hymns of dedication and invitation, Just As I Am. And that's precisely Simon Peter's biography. We come as we are. If you're here this morning without Christ, you don't wait till you do a personal clean-up as if we could save ourselves. You come as you are, and you invite Christ to come into your life. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you come as you are. Flaws, warts, blemishes... And you say, here, God, make of this what you can. And during our invitation time, there'll be a, an opportunity for you to come. To just pray here at the altar or pray with me and, and, and share your heart. Or maybe to talk with us after the service. But to come just as we are so that God can use us. Let's pray together. Loving God, shower mercy upon us. Have your way with us. We come with all of our baggage, all of our mess, and we trust you. Our rescuer and our Lord. Amen.